Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Sean Edgington. Sean is the founder and CEO of CoverEase, a digital insurance brokerage that is transforming the way businesses shop for and purchase insurance, as well as group benefits by providing complete transparency to pricing from 15 of the top insurance carriers in the country. Hi, Sean. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. No, I shared a little bit very broadly about what CoverEase does, but for people that are listening in that haven't previously met you, what should they know about your professional journey to this point? Such a good question. Um, and you did an awesome job. Thank you. I would add that more on a personal note, because I think that all connects to my professional career, mm. is that um, I'm a published author and it was all around safety and security for our youth online on the internet and in social and with social media. I'm an, I'm an amateur interior design addict. So I, and I have a construction background. So I'm, I leverage that in my professional career as well. I have a passion for simplifying the complicated. And I think that's really how cover ease came about because Purchasing insurance, assessing your insurance program, it's complicated, complex, and it takes a lot of time. And I really wanted to figure out a way to make that simple, leveraging technology. Um, I'm a mom and a wife, of course, and I founded a nonprofit called the Great American Noble Challenge. And that kind of came off of the book that I wrote. And I think that's really important because um, noble inspired teens to use their personal experiences combined with like the power of filmmaking and social media to create change around important issues that we see today all over the news, like bullying, violence, Mm. drug and alcohol abuse. We have the fentanyl problems going on, suicide and inequality. And, and um, with, with our organization, because of the fact that we used film to tell short stories and public service announcements, and then we spread those those um, those awareness films and PSAs through social media. We were able to just affect millions of teens across the globe. We we hit like a hundred countries. So, and I think what I did is I took my loss control and safety background and figure out how can I, you know, kind of direct this more towards the teens that really need the support and the help at the, at that, you know, at that young age, at those starts at 13 now, 13, you know, all the way up into the twenties. So, and, and I also want to say that that was actually one of the hardest things I ever did was run a nonprofit. If there's anyone listening to this today and you're part of a nonprofit, I bow down to them. I bow down to you because I mean, I've, I've, I've run my company for many years, but running a nonprofit is different and so difficult. So great job. No, it absolutely is. And that's a, it's a complicated world sort of with its own set of rules and way things work. And, um, in fact, I have a, a 
close friend. She actually does web development work for me. Um, and she was recently explaining to me something I never would have guessed that, you know, accepting donations from different states requires you to file different paperwork in all of the states where you receive donations. So even something as simple as people all over the place wanting to help, which we think of as sort of being an advantage of reaching people through social media and, and virtual connections, comes with its own complexities. Um, and so there is no such thing as a, a simple solution to anything worth doing, it would seem. No, unfortunately not. And you would think that technology with Venmo and PayPal and yeah. all those types of um, you know digital currency transfers would allow that to be easier, but you're right. It still is the 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 background and the paperwork that still needs to be needs to be processed for nonprofits, especially. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And if it if it seems overwhelming to you, given the fact that you have experience in the insurance industry, that's definitely a little bit of a bad sign for how all of that administrative stuff works. Um, now you're actually the first insurance industry expert we've had on the Sourcing Heroes. So congrats on that front. And I know that listeners love sort of a general state of the state, general overview type of information. So can you sort of start us off with just a very high level overview of, you know, what's sort of the focus of or trends that are prevailing in the insurance industry right now? Yeah. Um, I would say I'd like to focus on one of the biggest trends right now, which is cyber liability and the exposure of cyber liability for um, corporate America. Uh, you know, in the face of our current cyber climate, we have ransomware attacks, we have cyber schemes that are changing every day. Our companies, my company, your company, everyone listening, we are all, at, you know, we're all experiencing an increased cyber risk. And it's just causing the market to harden and prices to increase. And so, you know, in pro procurement, I'm sure we have some people that are procuring uh, services, including yeah. um, insurance. And we are seeing, you know, prices double, triple, depending on the size of the company. So we're seeing in the small business marketplace, we're seeing, you know, 50 to 200% premium increases. Wow. You know, and while the midsize to like the large sized companies, they're experiencing spend increases over 50%. And then on top of that, not only are we, you know, experiencing these pricing increases, but we're also incre we're also experiencing increased um, increased deductibles, retentions, uh, decreased policy limits and coverages, and then new mandates for all these internal um, security controls. Such as, for instance, I just went through my renewal about forty five days ago, and my premium increased for my company about 250% and not because of my, any losses ever, nothing, uh, but really just because of the state of the industry. Also, we may, needed to make sure, which we already had in place. We have, like most companies probably do also on this call, multi-factor authentication mm -hmm. is a huge thing. And you're probably seeing that happen, you know, around all of the platforms that you're using today. For instance, one of our platforms, you know, Salesforce, a lot of companies use Salesforce, our, our AMS system, um, our, you know, any of those like DocuSign, all of them now are having, you know, a, a third party MFA now where we're not only multi-factoring on our systems, but also on the exterior 
your systems that are cloud-based. So, and then also, for instance, um, every, you know, companies need to have their incident response plan in place and, pra- and in practice. You know, they need to have um, real-time data backups, hopefully redundant backups, redundant servers, and then also endpoint protection. That is really um quite challenging. We just um, launched ours for our endpoint protection. And for those of you that don't know what that means is that you really, you have to make sure that you're protecting not only your, you know, your, your, your workstations, your laptops, your mobile devices, but everyone else is in the whole company. So you figure many people have three different systems. So three times the amount of employees and the number of endpoints that need to be protected. So it's quite challenging and all those things need to be done to really get the best pricing you can get on your cyber coverage. Um, but the great news is, is that there are a few insure techs um, that are really doing a great job getting uh, making available real-time underwriting and real-time quoting for um, your company, for my company, for all of our companies in the U.S. And what they're doing is they're leveraging APIs to score businesses' risk. And it's happening in a matter of minutes. And they're using, you know, over 1,200 APIs bouncing off all the information that's available publicly, dark web, and so on to score your company and present pricing. And I think that's just a huge uh, benefit for all of us as technology. Obviously, we're looking at ways that technology is exposing us, but also it's benefiting us in, in, in ways too. And also leveraging the AI, you know, AI is reducing the underwriting timelines, you know, from weeks to months to sometimes days and even minutes. That's huge. Uh, time, you know, time is money. Oh, and sure. then depending on the, and it's all really depending on the complexity of the customer and the limits of coverage needed. So, I mean, technology is our best friend and it's, and it also can be our enemy. And that's why that's, I really want to talk about that cover right now because it's, it's an important one and a lot of companies are underinsured or they're uninsured. So just, and they don't really understand the risk that they have today. Well, and that, you know, that's an interesting point. It's a, a follow-up question I was going to ask you. We spent a lot of time talking about digital, almost yep. to the point where you don't need to say the word digital anymore because yep. pretty much anything that we're doing shy of manufacturing and even that has a digital component to it. I wonder what your thoughts are on, given the the dependence on digital and the prevalence of cyber risk based on what you shared, why don't we better understand cyber risk? Well, I would say that it's complicated, really complicated. Um, cyber incidents were primarily, you know, we saw in the past, they were data breaches and they, they were targeted large companies. Like remember the target breach? It was a oh, huge yes. target breach. Um, and they were, they weren't in our daily headlines. And I think then, I mean, just a several years ago, we thought it's never going to happen to us. And we weren't, weren't really as dependent as we are today on digital. Fast forward, we all know COVID changed really everything the way many of us operate today. And it really expedited um, everything really going digital. As an example, unfortunately, I was, um, I mean, a good example, I attended a funeral service this morning. And three years ago, were we able to attend a funeral service, you know, that was happening in Ohio through, 
you know, virtual through a virtual service where churches online, they were not. Um, COVID really had to get most churches online so that we could attend service. We could attend a funeral of a loved one that we couldn't get to in time. And I would say no, that, yeah, and I, yeah, I would just say that it's, it's really, we're, we're just experiencing, all of us are experiencing just a increased risk because we're all so much more reliant on digital, right? So our risk is dependent on how reliant we are. And when those systems go down or we can't access or our data is held for ransom, what are, what are our next steps? How, how do we work? How does our business continue to operate? Like you said, supply chain, communications, everything is digital. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting you bring up the example of Target. That's a perfect example for this audience because if I'm remembering correctly, the breach was actually with the supplier that manages, yep. this is so bad, I don't know what this thing is called, the little thing at the register where you put in your credit card and pay, whatever yeah. whatever that's called. It was the supplier of that thing, which now, especially you mentioned COVID, every supermarket, every home improvement store, every retailer has this little thing that whether you're doing self-checkout or not, you go through this little credit card authentication box and it was the supplier of the software running through that box that actually had the data breach. But I don't remember the name of that supplier. It was probably in the news story at the time. I think of it as the target data breach. And, right. and you know, brand value or brand reputation is probably a better way to put it, yes. is an excellent example of a cost or a loss that can be associated with a risk that materializes. What are some other costs or downsides or negative impacts that can potentially accompany cyber risk that comes to fruition? Well, I would say definitely your reputation. Um, you need to be able to, when you have a, a breach, you really need to be able to respond and you need those security experts at your, at your fingertips that can help, you know, get immediately help you with whatever it is. Is, is it, is it a ransom attack? Is it your, uh, you know, every possible scenario, that third party situation that you mentioned, I mean, target was down for quite a while as far as getting their payment procurement yes. back up. Right. Um, so, and that was really third, that was a third party exposure. So it didn't, it happened to target, but really it was a result of that third party that, that basically it cost loss of income. So Target had a loss of income because they couldn't accept the payment when they were down. That affected even online, right? So it went to online. You couldn't buy anything online because it was the same uh, payment resource that, right. you were, that, yeah, that you were buying online. Again, reputation. And then you have to notify all of your customers that you had a breach and that, and that is expensive. Um, I mean, the, it, it, the, the list is long, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> and of it course, could, we would. It could even be bottle injury, property yes. damage. Yeah. You know, you could have had. It, it could be a situation where a, um, a a data breach or a you know loss of a loss of operations is going to cause physical damage in a manufacturing uh, company. True. We had a very big. We had a very big uh, workers' comp claim as a result of a very large piece of equipment 
that went down and caused, um, you know, a horrendous injury to two employees that were operating that machinery. And, you know, it's, it's, it just trickles down to every single thing within an operation. That's almost anything that's plugged in, right? Which is everything. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely everything. Um, now, when you think about, so we've talked about the complexity of, of so many things being digital, and we've talked about the complexity of what can happen to a business if a cyber risk comes to pass. Does that also mean that it's correspondingly complicated to look at the different options available around cyber liability and exposure insurance? Well, yeah, that's such a great question. I would say that... Um, Coverage is highly complex and it's very, it's very unique and needs to be customized. Your program needs to be customized to your, to your risk and to your profile, your business, your business profile. So the first thing I think that anyone on this call needs to do is really educate themselves on um, where their risk is, where their threats are. Where they have fin- where their potential financial impacts um, are, and then work on you know get those top ten things, and then work on designing a custom solution that fits your company's needs. Um, and there's great ways to do that. I really love um, cyber insurance for dummies. And trust me, I know no one on this call is a dummy, (laughs) but when it comes to cyber insurance, 80% of my industry, the insurance brokers that are, that should absolutely know this cover, um, are also lacking in, um, knowledge. So read it. It's free. Um, you can reach out to me. It's a great resource. It outlines the basics. And if anyone on the call would like a free copy, they're welcome to reach out to me directly, or they can go to Cowbell Cyber and they can, under resources on the nav bar, they can download a free copy there. It's it's worth the read. It sounds silly, but it's worth the read. And it's worth mentioning too that work with a broker that, again, does know uh, cyber very well. They're well-versed in the coverage line. And select a carrier that has broad forms that they are training your employees. They have those resources because one of the biggest exposures as a company, one of our hugest exposures is the fact that our employees are, are letting in 95% of these breaches through wow. accidentally clicking on something. So training is important and it needs to be, I do my training here four times a year. It needs to be top of mind and carriers are now offering this coverage included in their program. Also, I would say continuous risk assessment after coverage is placed is really an important piece of cyber coverage. And carriers now, especially the insure techs, there's a couple out there that are offering, you know, they're offering, they have security experts that are working, they're connected to your account, and they're making recommendations to help mitigate risk. And then hopefully at the end of the year, you have lower premiums because risk was mitigated throughout the policy term. So there's, there's all those types of, of, of new, newfangled things that are happening thanks to <laughs> technology. <laughs> and I would just like to, to circle back. I completely agree with you. There is so much value in the Dummies series of books. Um, 
I own several. Um, I actually, you mentioned interior design earlier. I'm not even qualified to read a book. If there is an interior design for dummies, I shouldn't even open it. I'm so, so far away from that area. But we do all need to understand the fundamental things in yeah. every area that that overlap with our work where we probably don't have any background. And I actually, I wholeheartedly endorse that whole series of books. I, I think they're absolutely fantastic. They're actionable, right? They give you just what you need to get going. Um, so Sean, as we come to the end of our time, I want to take you through the tradition here on the Sourcing Hero podcast. So you have two choices. I'm going to give you two questions and you can answer whichever one of these you like. There are no wrong answers. In keeping with our discussion, there are no dumb answers. We've had <laughs> thoughts from all the way across the spectrum, and every single one has been fantastic. So here are your options. The first one is, what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? And the second one is, what do you think heroism looks like in a business context? So I'm going to go with door number two, if that's okay. <laughs> of course. <laughs> And I actually, I know that your, obviously your, your um, podcast is the hero broadcast. And I spent a lot of time trying to pick a hero. And I actually, it was difficult for me to actually pick a hero that was not like personally related to me or, you know, someone that was much bigger and it wasn't an action hero, like, you know, Superman or Spider-Man. <laughs> so what I did is I thought, okay, uh, within my day-to-day -day operations of my company, I thought that's where I was going to start. Like my hero, because we all work all day long in offices with people that we trust, hopefully. So my hero is trustworthy. They're dependable. They're compassionate. They're transparent. And they put my concerns in front of theirs. My hero is always willing to tackle the difficult situations and thinks outside of the box. I just think that is so important. And that can they can resolve problems and tackle complex complex situations that arise and use that out of the box thinking to really tackle that. My hero gets great results and is great to work with. And I'd say also my hero is someone who I want to spend time with even like I, I think they're a, a good person. That's my hero. I think that's a, a great description. And, and actually given what I know about the listening audience of the sourcing hero, I think there are a number of people in the listening audience that actually fit that description very well. So back it up and listen to that again if you need to, because I think Sean's description actually describes a lot of the people that regularly tune in to hear these conversations. Um, Sean, if people have listened to what you've shared today, we are definitely sharing some of your writing right on the show notes of this episode. So check that out if you want to learn more. But if people want to get in touch with you directly, what is the best way or place for them to find you? They can go to LinkedIn. They can email me at sedgington at coverease.com. There is two G's in Edgington. Everyone gets that wrong. So <laughs> you can call me, text me. You know, this is a virtual world we're living in. You can Teams me. You can Zoom me. Just kidding. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for making yourself so accessible. Thank you for sharing your expertise and your point of view with us today. And thank you most of all for being a guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast. It was my pleasure, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero podcast. 
Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.